So we are still talking about concerning the things of the Holy Spirit. Concerning the things of the Holy Spirit or the acts of the Holy Spirit. I think this should be part four or part five. In our text, 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 1, and like we reuse this translation, the Young Literal Translation, it says, and concerning the spiritual things, concerning the spiritual things, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. God doesn't want us to be ignorant of spiritual things. So we started to look at the things concerning the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. So we talked about his guidance for the believer, which he does through his spirit that is in us and guides us through our own human spirit. Remember that we are born of a God. God gave birth to spirit, not human beings. We are spirit. God gave birth to spirit, for God is spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So we are born spirits in Christ, and the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit, and then guides us through our spirit. He witnesses through our spirit. By that inward witnessing of our spirit, through our spirit, we get guidance mostly. And then uh, we said it guides us through uh, peace or lack of peace, uh, the inner lack of peace, peace or lack of peace. So he will guide us through that on an issue. You can't wait to go home and have a dream to decide some things in the market or something. So this is the most common way that he would guide us. And we talked about scripture too that the scripture should endorse everything. Anything that the scripture does not endorse, does not authenticate, is not the spirit of God. So you, you also want to check what you think God is telling you to do with the scripture and make sure you follow the scripture. It is lamp unto your feet and light unto your path. So we said all of that, and there are other ways that the Holy Spirit will guide us. We mentioned them by our conscience if we are spirit-led Christians. If we are carnal Christians, our conscience it's not very good at all. And then this, our spirit in us can speak to us uh, from within, can speak to us. So all these things are related things we have discussed and which you can go and look up. And then number two, we talked about his activities in the believer at salvation. Just want to make this clear. And I'm glad that some people have said, now we really understand this very well. You need to understand this because if you mix this up, you will not be used by God to fulfill the things for which he designated each of them. You will not, especially in the, in the spirit of horn. You, you just be going to church and going home, and then you just be a nominal Christian. Because that spirit of horn makes all the difference in your service. So the spirit in you, the spirit of Christ in you, the spirit of Christ in you, the Holy Spirit of Christ in you produces life. It's not, it produces life. It produces life. God gave us new life in Christ. He gave us his nature, his nature, his life. Jesus came to give us life. And you don't get it unless you have the spirit of Christ in you. So that spirit in you is like the sap that supplies the branch life. So he works in us. And you know, the Paul knew this, and Paul didn't want the righteousness that comes from human effort. He wanted the one that comes from Christ alone. Look at what the scripture says, Philippians 1:11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. 
the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. It is Christ that produces this righteous character. He is the one alive in us. So Paul said, it's no longer I that live it, but Christ that live it in me. So we saw in the life of Stephen, the Lord Jesus manifests his love, manifests his forgiveness, manifests his character, manifests himself, and did what no man can do. And that's the life of a Christian. It should be a life of wonders and, and, and power, which no man can do. In Acts chapter 7, verse 59, and they stone Stephen. Now, if they stone you, I'm not sure you're going to be praying for them, that God will forgive them. I'm not too sure. Only Christ in us can show this level of love and forgiveness. That's Jesus that was manifesting in Stephen. That's what Christianity is. The Bible said this this. This character that Jesus produces brings much glory to God. So he says, and they stone Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down. Can you imagine? He just kneeling down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their child. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So that's Jesus. That's the Lord. That's the spirit of Christ in him. Saying the same thing he said on the cross. Remember on the cross? Said the same thing in Luke chapter 23, verse 33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, the same Christ. This level of love is not, no, it's not natural love. This is God's love for your enemy. It, it, no human being can produce this kind of life. No amount of home training, no amount of preaching in church, urging you to be good or to be this and be that, we produce the life that only Christ himself can produce, which is his life. Which is his life. The, 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 the Christianity has been so misunderstood that we think that it's an, it's an ethical organization where you teach morals. Yeah, you can teach morals. It's good to teach morals, but if that is all we do in church, you don't need to come to church to learn morals. Good parents will teach you morals. Very good parents will teach you morals. Christianity is more than morals. It's the life of Christ. It's the life of Christ, which you can't get by good parenting. You can't get it by any moral teacher. You can't get it by anything. You get it simply by faith in Christ, by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not just moral, moral society. We reduce Christianity to, 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 to every, other, every other regular organization where they teach morals. No, it's, it's higher than that. It's superior to anything man can do. This is the life of God manifesting through a human being. So we can see this level of love is not what normally anybody can exercise. This is the spirit of Christ that was talking through him. So that's what the spirit in you does. Christ at, at work in you. To produce this righteous character, his life, his nature, that people will see him and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Now we started to talk about the Spirit upon, the Spirit upon, the Spirit upon when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is not the Spirit in you. The Spirit upon, if you mix it up, you will be making a huge mistake. Now let me say something. 
Everybody knows that Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. But John the Baptist said that the, the, the Lord told him that upon whom you see the Spirit descend, I said, that's him. And the Spirit descended on him. So the Spirit didn't descend on him to make Jesus a better person. He is God. He is the Word made life. He can't be better. He's God. God can't be better. So that Spirit on him was not to make him better. It, was to, it wasn't to produce any character in him. He is the one, he's, he's the Word himself. It was for service, exclusively for service, for service, because he had, he had put away everything that made him God and became man. He became man, but he was not born of a man. So he didn't have sin in him. He didn't come from the line of Adam. He didn't have sin in him. So the spirit upon him was not to produce character. He was sinless, totally sinless. He was not the seed of a, of a man. So it, it, it was for service. And he is our example. Look at Luke chapter 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why is it upon me? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's what it is for. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. There is nothing here about character. All of this is service. Is service in the kingdom, the kingdom of God. So the spirit upon us, when it comes at baptism, is for service. And every Christian who gets saved, gives his life to Christ, needs to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit immediately. There shouldn't be any waste of time. The next thing is to let him know there's another gift, there's the gift of, the, of, of, this, of, of baptism. It's free, it's free. Don't pay for it, it's a gift. The Holy Spirit has already come. He came on the door of Pentecost. You don't have to pray for him to come. All you need to do is to receive what he that is already here. It's something, it's your, it's your right, really. It's your covenant right to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Who waits for a gift? That's why I got baptized in my room. I said to God, wow, who waits for a gift? So now I'm going to receive it. I began to thank God. I said, you sent him. He's here. I received this baptism in Jesus' name. I began to speak in tongues. Nobody taught me. Nobody cajoled me. I just read in the Bible that this is the way it is. So it will get, if you get saved, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that Holy Spirit baptism brings the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That's what it brings upon the Christian. And number one thing you begin to do that you were not doing before is that you begin to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit baptism comes with speaking in tongues. That's the first supernatural manifestation in your life of the Holy Spirit upon you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes with speaking in tongues. There is nothing like being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being baptized in tongues later. It's a wrong doctrine. There is no chapter, there is no verse that teaches that. When we come to teach and study the gift of tongues and interpretation, we will see that, that the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is tongues. It's tongues. That is the first, first supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit upon your life, upon you, upon you. And then that will bring these other manifestations of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit has decided to gift you and to use you in the service of the kingdom of God. And you know, the speaking in tongues is a sign that follows believers. Mark 16, 17. And this sign shall follow them that believe, them that believe, in my name, they shall cast out devils and they shall speak with uh, new tongues. And if you read, if you read 
the other signs, you see that they are all supernatural. None of them is a natural activity. So that's, that's the first thing you see that begins to operate in your life when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that brings you, the, like I said, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Nine of them. And then upon every Christian, the Holy Spirit has marked the gift he wants to manifest through you. Upon every believer, whether you know it or not, there is a gift that the Holy Spirit wants to manifest through you. There's something he wants to use you to do. But you've got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 12 from verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Now, that's the way King James translated it. The young, young translation said, no, concerning things of the Spirit. Now, verse 6. And there, are, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in all in all seven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Not only to pastors, to every man, to profit with all for to one is given the spirit of the, the spirit by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same spirit to another faith, by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing, by the same spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these working, that one and same. Self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as a will. Verse 12. For as the body is one and had many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. So we have different functions. The Holy Spirit uses us in different capacities. That's what he's saying. Now, we started, we said that these gifts are grouped into three, three depending on what they do. That is the power gift which makes you do something, which does something. There's a revelation gift, which reveals something, which brings revelation, visions and things like that, to you. And there is, there is this, the, the vocal gift, which says something, which says something. Now, but these gifts, like we said, are distributed to the body as the spirit wills. Now, let's look. We talked about the power gifts the last time, talked about the power gifts. The, the gift of faith, gift of healing, gift of working of miracles, the power gift, they do something. And some of you have these gifts that come upon you, but because you don't know what they mean, you, you resist them. You resist them. Be there to glorify Christ. And in glorifying Christ, glorify the Father. To witness that Christ is Lord indeed. I remember a dear sister in this church, a very wonderful sister, told me how in their job, what they, one of their chairs wasn't working. They used it to work. They did everything. It wasn't working. And all of a sudden, she spoke to that chair and said, in the name of Jesus, I command this chair to work. And they started to work. Obviously, that was not the normal way she lives her life. That was a gift of faith that came upon her and combined with the gift of miracle. That chair, that was a supernatural intervention. In a place of work, in a place of work, in a place of work, Jesus demonstrated his power there so that the unbelievers will see his glory and then come to say, wow, we need to know what happened here. And through that, you can preach the gospel. And I know so many of you have experienced some of these things in your lives. And then now you're, you're beginning to know what they look like. So when it comes upon you, don't, don't resist it. 
That's why I said it's not for character. It's for service. So you should know what it's for. It's for service. It's for service. It's to witness for Christ. Now, we talk about, uh, now we're going to talk about the vocal gifts. The vocal gifts. And then we're going to spend time on the gifts of prophecy because that is the most misunderstood of them. And it has been abused. It has been misused. It's been used to intimidate people. So by the grace of God from Scripture, we're going to see what it really means and how it functions. Now, the, the vocal gifts are three. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. To another, the working of miracle. That's not a vocal gift. Of course, you see now. The, uh, to another, prophecy. Yeah, vocal gift. You speak it out. To another, discerning of spirit. That's not a vocal gift. And another, diverse kinds of tongues. Yes, you speak it out. That's a vocal gift. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. That's a vocal gift. So you speak them out. There are three of them. Prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Again, let me repeat that. Prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. These are the vocal gifts which manifest by you are saying something. You are saying something. Now, what is prophecy? And I want you to listen to me because this thing, prophecy, has been misused. Everything is prophecy. But what is prophecy? Child of God, you must know. Rightly dividing the word. Rightly dividing the word. So you don't join the crowd and confuse people. What is prophecy? Prophecy is an inspired utterance. I'm going to explain the word inspired. It's an inspired utterance that aims at three things. It aims at three things. To defy, to exhort, and to comfort people. End of matter. There is no revelation in prophecy. There is no revelation in prophecy. There is no telling the future in prophecy. That's why it is a simple inspirational gift. Inspirational. It comes by simple inspiration of the Holy Spirit to make you speak. So it is not a revelational gift. There is no vision there. There is no telling the future there. None of it there. And if he doesn't speak to edify, if he doesn't speak to exhort, if he doesn't speak to comfort, it's not prophecy. Some people speak fear into people and say this is prophecy. That's not prophecy. Now let's, let's read the Bible. Let's let the Bible tell us. 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 1. I want you to follow me. For this is scripture. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. I'm reading King James Version. So you don't say he read the... No, no, I'm reading King James. Everybody believes in King James. So follow me. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. But rather that you may prophesy. Desire that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an own tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For he, for no man understandeth him, habit in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Verse 3. But he that prophesied, this is the Holy Spirit that inspired this thing. This is not personal opinion. He that prophesied, speaketh unto men to number one, edification, and number two, exhortation, and number three, comfort. End of matter. Go to verse 3 again. But he that prophesied, speaketh unto men to edify them, exhort them, and comfort them. 
end of matter. There is nothing like telling the future in these three things. And they are mere inspirational gifts that makes you edify somebody, makes you exhaust somebody, makes you bring comfort to somebody. That is prophecy. Now, what does it mean to, to edify? You know, you build edifices. It's from building. It's from building. It, it signifies building. It is to build somebody up, build one's face, faith up, and give one understanding. Build one's face up by giving him understanding. Like building a, a, a building, you put block and this. So it's to build one's faith up, to improve someone morally or in their faith in Christ. That comes basically by improving their understanding of who Christ is and what the Word of God says so that they are built up, built up in faith, built up in love, built up, built up, built up. This you can, by teaching, by instruction, instructing them, you educate them, you build them up, improve their understanding. That's what edifying means. To improve somebody's understanding about Christ Jesus. Focus is Christ Jesus. You will soon see it that this prophecy, building your understanding, building yourself up, is about Christ Himself. You will soon see it. Now, what is exhortation? It means a strong appeal or urging men to do something. Now, the first one to defy is to build understanding. The second one is us, is to make people act, to do something. So make people act. Don't confuse them. They are not the same. So in exhortation means a strong appeal or urging men to do something. And in this case, they encouraging people to draw near the Lord by faith. That strengthens their faith in Christ, in, in Christ Jesus. Instead of backsliding, you are urging them not to slide back. You are urging them to do something. Don't backslide. Don't backslide. Come nearer Christ. Come Towards Jesus. That is called exhortation. Revelation 19, 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is to build your faith in Christ. Prophecy is to draw you to Christ. To draw you, instead of backsliding away, is to draw you to Christ. To make you do something. To make you start doing something. Start, you know, reading your Bible more. To start, you know, to make you start doing something. Edification is to explain to you. To build your understanding. But exhortation is to make you do something, to draw you close to God, to make you start praying more, start studying more, to be in church, to be in fellowship, so, to speak you out of backsliding. Hebrews 3.1. But exhaust one another daily, why it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, sin will harden you, but to exhaust you, to make you to make you repent and turn away from that thing, to take action. He said, exhaust one another daily so that they're they not deceived by sin. Exhaust them to, towards Christ, 
towards righteousness, towards faith in him. So they take action. That's what prophecy is. Then comfort, speak to me not to comfort. What is comfort? It's to alleviate stress from people and grief, which has caused many to backslide. Many people are backslidden because of grief, because of stress. They just give, give up their faith in Christ and just backslide into the world and from there straight to hell. So you see that these gifts are very important. Very, very important, especially in the time in which we live. We need this gift manifesting. You're going to see why Paul was telling the church that he wishes that every Christian prophesies. It's not to say, thou said the Lord, you are going to um, Adiokuta tomorrow. That's not prophecy. It's not, it, it doesn't fit into what the scripture tells us prophecy is. There is no foretelling there. There is no, there's no revelation there. It's telling you what already is in scripture to strengthen you to do it, to strengthen you to believe it. That's what prophecy is. We must, we must get back to truth. Listen, if you get outside the truth and you're walking in deceit, and this, the Holy Spirit will not partner with you. You're on your own. And the devils will meet you there. You're on your own. Totally on your own. The Bible says rightly dividing the word of God. Rightly. You study so you are not ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God. That's what we're studying. That's why we're studying. So that you rightly divide. Follow the scripture. Don't follow the crowd. They have used this thing to bamboozle people, intimidate people. I'm giving you prophecy, prophetic utterance, and the prophet. Point is, people who give this thing don't even know what the scripture says about prophecy. They haven't read it, don't even understand it, and yet everywhere, prophecy, prophecy. What is prophecy? They have no idea. So let's see examples of this gift of prophecy that is in the church. Acts 21 verse 8, and the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. They did prophesy. They did prophesy. They were virgins. They did prophesy. But look at what happened in verse, in verse 10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet. Now, we're going to see the difference between a prophet and prophesying. You're going to see it. Now, this prophet comes, a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus said the Lord, the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owned this gado and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, you see a prophet comes, and these four girls, are, they prophesied, but they didn't tell Paul anything about what would happen to him. There was no revelation in the gift of prophecy. They didn't. They didn't have that, that gifting until a prophet came because prophets manifest some other gifts of revelation. In this case, there was revelation. There was revelation to Paul. This is what is going to happen to you. He brought to Paul, the, he revealed to him the mind, and, 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 I mean, the, the things that will happen to him in future. That's called revelation. Prophets can manifest other gifts. We'll see that when we come to comparing the office of the prophet and the gift of prophecy. 
So you see, because these four girls are just prophets, I mean, they just prophesy. He didn't call them prophets. He said they just prophesied. They simply did prophesy. He didn't call them prophets. Because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. The Holy Spirit didn't call them. If they were prophets, the Holy Spirit would have said, yeah, they prophesied. They were also prophets. No. He said they simply prophesied. He didn't call these girls prophets. He said these girls simply prophesied. Who did prophesy? Case closed. End of matter. Then comes a prophet. Then comes a prophet who has other gifts that we're going to see. I will study all these gifts. So you see that the Holy Spirit is not confused about what is it. These ones are simply girls who prophesy, but they couldn't tell the future. Now comes a prophet who has some other giftings, and that, those other giftings manifest, and then the prophet says, oh, this is what is going to happen to you. So the prophet has some other giftings apart, the, apart from this simple gift of prophecy that, that manifests in Revelation. But the simple gift of prophecy does not manifest in Revelation. As you see it here, as we read it. So I, think, I hope this will clear up all of these things. Then in Acts 14, 19, And there came thither a certain Jew from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people and said, And having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Verse 20. How be it, as the disciples stood around about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. 21. And when they had preached the gospel to the city and had taught many. Remember, remember edification is to bring understanding. They have taught many. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. 22 confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them, exhorting them to continue in the faith. Why? Because there was strong persecution. Exhorting them, urging them, don't backslide, don't give action, don't give up your faith. Don't, don't. don't. And he told them, and that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Exhorting them, exhortation is to make you Make you take action to draw you to God, to draw you to Christ, if, to, to draw you away from, from backsliding. That's what the exhortation is. So he was telling them, look, yes, there's persecution. We have to, through these persecutions, enter the kingdom of God. So it was, remember the scripture said, exhort each other daily so that we are not deceived by sin. So you see that this, this, this simple prophetic uh, uh, gift of prophecy was manifesting through these people that came, Paul and his, and his group. They were exhorting them. They were teaching them. Teaching is not necessarily the gift of prophecy, but there's an element of prophecy in teaching. And that we'll, see that we'll see that as we go on. Now, these gifts operate under the anointing or the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Do not try to mimic it or reproduce it. Demons will come and help you. Don't do that. Still, the one God gave you. Applaud and celebrate the one God gives another person. But don't try to mimic it. And because somebody is using this gift in you, you too want to act like you are used. No, don't do that. Because the devils will, will help you out. Now, let's look at ministering in the church that we've studied, that other people did this thing in public. Now, ministering by knowledge, people can effectively teach 
to improve knowledge, yes, or exhort to the uh, action of standing strong in the Lord and comfort people. You can do that by knowledge. Therefore, every preacher, every teacher, every worship leader needs to prayerfully prepare their lessons, their assignments with due respect to the Lord whose sheep they are feeding. So we need to prepare our sermon, prepare our Sunday school teacher, I mean materials, life center materials. You have to. Because teaching by knowledge is the most common thing that happens in church. So look at 1 Peter 5.12. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you as I suppose, I have written briefly exhorting. So I wrote you people letter to exhort you. Exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. So he was exhorting them to stand in this grace of God, not to give it up. So by letter he wrote. So you can, you can exhort, you can teach, you can exhort, you can uh, comfort, and then you can edify by knowledge. By knowledge. The word of God can do anything. By knowledge. Isaiah 28 verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Remember, Paul said, I cannot teach you spiritual things, you are babies. He said, those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For Listen to this. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. That's teaching from knowledge, teaching from scripture, exhorting brethren from scripture, bringing comfort from scripture, bringing edification from scripture. This is not the gift of prophecy. This is not the gift of prophecy. But this will exhort people, this will teach people, this will help people. This, this is the general way we do these things. This, you will soon see that in the early church, they had doctrines, they did it. So we have to prepare and don't say, oh, the gift of prophecy is to, you know, to bring understanding. So I'm not going to prepare my lesson. No, you have to. You have to. You just have to. You just have to. But this is not the simple gift of prophecy. Now, the simple gift of prophecy will come upon you by inspiration without your preparing anything. You don't prepare to speak in tongues. Do you? You don't study to speak in tongues. So in the same way, you don't prepare for these gifts of the Spirit. They come upon you spontaneously and they take you beyond what you know, what you can do. It doesn't come from your knowledge. It doesn't come from your preparation. It doesn't come from anything. It's just the, uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you to use you to teach somebody beyond your, what you can prepare beyond. The things you say will surprise you. It will surprise you. It comes upon you to exhort people. You, you are like, wow. Even people listening to you will say, wow. Because this is the Holy Spirit that directly using you to, to, to use your mouth to talk to them. This is not what you prepare for. It doesn't come from your script. You can be preaching a sermon and all of a sudden you go off script. Totally off script and start talking about something. And the Spirit of God inspires you to bring that word that, that edifies somebody, that exhausts people, and then you speak and it will, it will do these things. People will say, wow, 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 wow. This is amazing. 
you know, you were talking to me. That thing really encouraged me. Wow. That's, but you didn't even know you just went off script. All of a sudden, off script. Off script. So this, this gift of prophecy comes upon us. That's why it's called inspirational gift. It comes by inspiration. It comes by inspiration. And watch your life now and realize that there have been many times that the Holy Spirit has come upon you by simple inspiration. But because you're always looking for the Holy Spirit in goose pimple, you know, cloud, you know, cl- floating in the cloud, all those kind of things. It's not like that. It's not like that. Most of the time, it's not, it's, it's not spectacular. Sometimes, I'm telling you, the spirit, the, the spirit, the anointing has come upon you, even in your kitchen, even in, in the toilet. But because we have this religious mindset, we, and because we don't even know the inspirational moves of God, so we don't yield to it, and we lose what he came to use you to do, you lose out of it. You miss out of it. So you, you, you could be teaching Sunday school, and all of a sudden, the gift of prophecy kicks in. It's like you go off script. <laughs> you can't control it. And then what you're saying is it, it becomes more powerful, more anointed, and more result. You get more result. But like I said, it doesn't happen all the time. It does not ha- so you have to prepare your lessons. But if it happens, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. So, so you see that the, it, hap- it can happen in church. It can happen in church service. It, it can happen in your fellowships. It can happen wherever uh, we are gathered together. Now, let's see um, in the early church. Let's look at the early church. What happened in the early church? 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you, see that? Every one of you, not some people, every one of you had a psalm, had a doctrine. You see the doctrine I'm talking about? Teaching. Had a doctrine, had a tongue, had a revelation, had an interpretation. Let all things be done until it defined. Now, you see, the, the early church was properly taught. They were properly taught about this gifting. So everybody found this gifting. Now, they were not going to church for pastor to pray for them. They were not going to church for anybody to lay hands on them. That was not, their purpose was going to church to be used of God to bless people. Re, that, the reverse is what we are doing today. Why? People are ignorant. What you are looking for a pastor to do, you too can do. You too can do. You have, in fact, the pastor needs your own gifting. Pastor needs your own gifting. There's a gift. There's something you are gifted with is not gifted with to bless the church. Look at that church. They came to church. Everyone had the new. The Bible said that this gift of the spirit is given to all. So they knew, they knew, and they found their own. And they were they were not afraid to use it. Some people can't even give give a message. They're afraid. Maybe it's wrong. That spirit of fear is not God. It's not God. If you don't use your giftings, you can't use any gifting. Once you are fearful, wanting to be perfect and correct all the time, forget it. You are not going to use anyone. Because the spirit of fear is not of God. Why is it that every one of them had in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. New Living Translation said, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. See, everyone. Can you imagine a church that has been taught and they begin to find out their gifting and you come to service and everybody has something to bless the church with? Man, that would be heaven on earth. That would be totally heaven. You, you, you come in your family meeting and the gifts are manifesting. Are you kidding me? That would be heaven on earth. That'd be total, and that's how God designed the church to be. 
That's how the Lord told me. He said, start believers with it. He said, I, don't, I didn't design the church to be a one-man show. I designed it so that the body, everybody will find his place, hand, feet, mouth, and begin to operate there. He said, when they operate in all these giftings, then the fullness of my glory is revealed in the body of Christ. That's how I started believers with it. So that everybody will know you, you, have, you can say something. God can use you. And you are given opportunity for God to use you. Some come and say, I'm inspired to sing. Sing. Some say, we need to pray. Fine. Some people say, whatever. With scripture, we have doctrine. We have this. We have revelation. It's gradually coming up. Gradually, people are becoming more confident. Becoming more confident. So we're, we're having some of these things in the believers meeting, really. We're having revelation. People bring revelation. People bring these. People bring uh, songs. People bring edification. People bring uh, exhortation. People. It's beginning. It's really, that is the, that is the, that's the way the church should be. That's the way the church should be. So everybody must find your gifting as we are teaching this thing. You have to be interested and you have to listen. So these gifts need to manifest as we come. Like I said, they even taught doctrine. They had doctrines. This is what the Sunday school teacher does. This is what the life center teacher does. This is what the preacher does. Preaching and teaching the doctrine through knowledge, like we said before. Now, because you get inspiration once in a while, it doesn't mean that the, the, the gift of prophecy is working in. Every Christian really delves into, into gifts here and there. If you're really sensitive in the spirit, every Christian, as the need arises, the spirit can anoint you for, to use you for that, to meet that need. So Christians delve into gifts here and there. But there are gifts that work in your life more often than other times. And people will know you with that. That is the gifting that you have. But you can delve into other, as the need arises and you are available and you are yielding to the spirit, God can anoint you and use you to do something that others who are fearful are not interested in doing. Because God wants his purposes to be fulfilled. So you can use, you can move into other gifts, move into other, don't be afraid of that. But there are gifts that are, you notice that this, this thing comes upon you. Or, I know some people here, they are gifted, gift of healing. Gift. And they've seen it happen. But they are not pursuing it. They are not continuing. They just, boom, that's it. And they become regular bench warmers. All the people that would have been healed through this gifting are not. Because they are not yielding to the Holy Spirit to use them. You know, so that's the essence of this teaching. So we find our place in the body of Christ. And look at the early church again. This gift of prophecy was so prominent in the early church. Acts 9.31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. Mark this was. And walking in the fear of the Lord. That's what the exhortation produces. And then the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. So the gift of prophecy was really working in this church. So they were edified. That was edification, constant edification. There was fear of the Lord produced by, by uh, uh, exhortation. And then the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Comfort of the, the comfort that the Holy Spirit inspires and brings. And somebody brings the word to comfort people. They began to multiply. People were seeing the activity of the Holy Spirit in, uh, upon them, not upon one man. The church is not a one-man show. It's a body. It's a body. One-man show is wrong. The time of pool of Siloam is over. It's over. God has poured the Spirit on all flesh. There's no pool of Siloam. Waiting for the pool to be started. You are in the Old Testament. Get back to the New Go, Come back home. The Lord has poured the Spirit upon all flesh, and you are one of them. If you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, get baptized tonight in your room. 
and get this, this, this outpouring that God has poured so that you too now, instead of waiting for the pool of Salom, you too become the pool of Salom yourself, through whom God is blessing, blessing people. So you can see that the early church had this gift of prophecy manifesting. And then that, because Paul urged them, he was urging them to please have this gift of prophecy. Have it. I want all of you to prophesy. I want all of you to prophesy. But remember what we say, prophecy is not telling the future and everything. It's not all of that. Now, Acts 13 from verse 1. Now, there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets, teachers as Barnabas, Simon, that was called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, a man, a manian, which had been brought up with terror, the Tetrarch, and saw, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So, so they, they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit, departed unto Seleucus, and from thence, they sailed to Cyprus. So you see what happened here. It was the ministry of worship. They were worshiping the Lord that created the atmosphere and the Holy Spirit began to move and to, and to speak through one of the prophets and to give a revelation of his plan and purpose for them. So you see, the, 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 the modern church stifles the Holy Spirit and wonder why he doesn't move. We should be able to know when the Holy Spirit is doing unusual things. It's not always. Unusual, moving in an unusual way, especially in worship time. And we allow him. We just allow him. Brethren, what, 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 what do we, where is this your help coming from? We just sit and let him. Sometimes in this worship thing, he starts moving in an unpeculiar way. We should be able to allow him. Let, let, him, let the thing build. Let the thing build. Let it build. You know, this thing is built. So that's why in this church, I've said, after worship, we pray the word before you do your drama. Because these are the things that build your faith and prepare the church and people that, that arouses you, edifies you, and then, you know, exhausts you, and then the faith rises and God begins to move and people are prepared to receive at that time. They are prepared to receive at that time. So it's important that we recognize the move of the Holy Spirit in our worship sessions so that we allow him full, full manifestation among us, you know, sometimes a, long, a, a, a chorus leader can have an element of the gift of prophecy upon him or her. She gets off this, she didn't prepare this song, she just starts singing something that she didn't prepare. And under great anointing, and come and see how it will bless people, it will, come, it will bring comfort to some people. It will bring, and they say, wow, you know, they're lost in that anointing. But it's coming from the chorus leader who this element of gift of prophecy comes upon her or him, and she begins to sing a song that comforts people or exhausts people or edifies people. Again, like I said, you don't prepare for it. It just comes upon you. And so when, 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 when a church notices an unusual move of God, they should allow him to flow because it's to our own benefit. But we tie him out and tell him to stop. And when he stops, the church, the service is dead, totally dead. Of course, some people don't even know when the spirit is not moving, so they just have no idea. It's totally dead. That's why the churches are powerless. Because when he starts doing something, we are not patient. We don't want, we don't. No, no, we want to tie him out and say, no, no, no. I have to live by this time. Live by this time, live by this time. You live by that time with nothing. Then there is this gift of prophecy in private ministry in your individual life. Um, in 1 Samuel 36, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. 
because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Under the anointing of God, David brought encouragement to himself, comfort. Remember, David was a prophet. And every prophet has this simple gift of prophecy. So David encouraged himself. It was an anointing that came upon him to bring encouragement to himself at this time. So you see, you, this gift of prophecy can come upon you in your kitchen to bring encouragement to you. You can speak encouragement in your family meetings. You can speak encouragement to a friend. It's not always, but you can always know when it comes upon you. You, can, you know this is normal. normal, it's normal. So, yeah, there are not things you've told people and you're like, wow, where did it come from? That's inspirational gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, using you for that moment. So in our private worship, in our private prayer, prayer closet, even in your kitchen, in your car, it can come upon you and make you to begin to sing, to comfort yourself, or even speak prof- uh, uh, exhortation to yourself. In, in uh, Ephesians 5.17, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein he says it, but be filled with the Spirit, and speaking to yourselves, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. He said, don't live all these useless lives of the flesh. The will of God is for you to be filled with the Spirit of God. So, so the Spirit of God can anoint you. See what we lose when we, lo- we live in the flesh. We don't understand. We don't, spiritually, we don't, know, we don't know anything. When you don't know too much spiritually, you live a, a life of flesh. You'll be quarreling all over the place. But when you do that, you quench the Spirit. By the Spirit of God, you should be wise and understand what the will of God is. He said, hey, he said, don't leave all these this canal things, drinking wine and all those partying all and wasting your time. He said, no, you live the Spirit life so that the Spirit of God can find a vessel and, and, and use you so that you can speak to God, speak to God in, in psalms and hymns and worship him, inspired by the Spirit of God. And then speak to yourself in your heart too. So you see, in our private worship, there is a place of the gift of the, of, of the manifestation of the gift of prophecy. If we set our lives apart for Christ, if we don't waste our time and get so tired and worldly things, and we don't have time for the things of the Spirit. If you, if you get so kind and so worldly, far away into the world, all you talk about is television and all this they're talking about. You, you just, you're just losing. You're just losing big time. You know? Now, let me, let me compare a prophecy, the, the gift of prophecy and the office of the prophet. Number one, don't confuse this simple gift of prophecy with the office of a prophet and the prophetic utterance of a prophet in manifesting the, the other gift that normally we manifest in the ministry of a prophet. Number one, all prophecies, all can prophesy, but all cannot be prophets. Let me say that. All can prophesy, but all cannot be prophets. Why? In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. You could all prophesy. Then 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps government, diversities of tongues. 29, are all prophets? He said, all are not prophets. But he said, all can prophesy, but all are not prophets. So if, if prophesying makes you a prophet, then Paul would have said that I wish that all of you are prophets. It's no, it's no. He said you prophesy. 
Remember the first time we read, in the house of Philip, there were four, four daughters that were virgins who prophesied. But when the prophet came, the Holy Spirit said, Agabus is a prophet. Those ones who prophesied were not described as prophets. So, all, all, can, all, all can, like I said, it comes upon us, but you can't be, a, you can't be a, a, a prophet unless God sets you in that office. So, a prophet is one that God has called and set in the office of a prophet, like office of a pastor, apostle, evangelist. You have to be called of God in that office of a prophet. The, the, the gift of prophecy is not an office. But a prophet, a prophet is an office. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the defining of the body of Christ. So, so you, the, you, the, the gift of the Spirit, the nine gifts, is not an office. It's not an office. But a prophet is in an office. And a prophet is called of God and set in that office. You can't wake up and say, I'm a prophet. It's wrong. Look at Hebrews 5.4. And no man takes this honor to himself. But he who is called by God as Aaron was, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. So you can't glorify yourself. Wake up and say, I'm not a prophet. And it was he who said to him, you are my son today, I have begotten you. It was God who spoke to him and, and called him to this. You can't wake up and say, who, who knows? Who, where's the confirmation you are a, prof, you are a prophet? It's the church that should confirm you that you are a prophet. If you are in a church and you are, and you are under leadership, and then they prove your character. The Bible said the, the character must be proved first. You can't wake up and say, I'm not a prophet. Because you release one music, one, one, one now you're a prophet. It's not like that. That's why we have all this confusion all over the place. You see, when Paul was called, he was confirmed by the Holy Spirit. And the church sent him out. Look at Acts 13. Now there were in the church that was at certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius. And verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, to the work whereunto I have called them. I called them. The church. He spoke through the church. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So you are, the church must recognize this, this, this is your office and then ordain you into it. You don't just wake up and say, Amen. That, that is disorderliness. In the kingdom of God, there's no disorder. Things must be done in order. And number three, the prophet will have revelation gifts also manifesting through him in addition to the inspirational gift of the Holy Spirit. Then let me show you revelational gifts. First Corinthians 14, 29. Let the prophet speak two or three. And let the other judge 30. If anything be revealed to another, you see, things are revealed to prophets. But in the simple gift of prophecy, there's no revelation. If it be revealed to another that seated by, let the face hold his peace. For you may all now prophesy. You know, talking about prophecy one by one. That all may learn and all may be comforted. So he's talking about the prophet has revelation, but the gift of prophecy will make you learn and be comforted. In Amos 3, 7, surely the Lord will do nothing, but he revealed his secrets unto the servant, the prophet. So, Prophets operate the gift of word of uh, wisdom. 
Because that's what they must receive. So God will reveal it to them. And then we see that they have revelation gifts also working in them. But so you have the simple gift of prophecy doesn't make you a prophet because the, op- the prophet operates simple gifts of prophecy. He operates gifts of revelation. As we come to there, we see them. And then one of them must be the gift of word of wisdom. That's, that's what makes And they operate it constantly. And the church authenticates it. The church judges it. And the church ordains you into that office. So everything is done in order according to the word of God. I pray that the Lord will help us to understand in Jesus' name. Amen.